0: Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session.
1: Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill and welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. And today I have Eric Ribello, who is the founder of a digital business development firm in Northern California that builds sales and marketing growth systems for service-based businesses by using online advertising, SEO, conversion websites and media. So we're gonna be talking with Eric today about online advertising, service business growth, conversion landing conversion landing pages, sorry, copywriting, lead generation and sales improvement as well, we'll probably get into some business and personal development. Um, Eric, thanks
2: for joining my show today. I appreciate you having me on. Should be a good conversation.
1: Yeah. So um, tell the audience a little bit uh, about uh, how long you've been doing this and uh, you know, what's your elevator pitch if you have one.
2: Yeah. So I've been in business now for about four years. And basically how it came about was uh, I was in college for a while and I had a job. I was a manager of a retail location and I was on a path to just, you know, have a normal job and kind of like the computer tech field. And uh, what happened was I ended up dropping out of college just because it wasn't suiting my interests. I ended up having to leave the job just because they weren't really taking care of, the needs that I had as well, where I was giving out ideas, trying to make you know my store better. And they wouldn't really take those ideas, even though they thought they were good, they were against protocol or whatever their little systems were. So I was on my own. And then I uh, was working with some clients for, for free for a while. And then um, that's kind of just how it came to be. But I've always had an interest in marketing and media and sales and psychology and that type of stuff. So kind of grew my business around that. But yeah, we help uh, service-based business owners kind of in the healthcare, B2B tech field, legal, and like home services. That seems to be kind of our our niches, but just any service-based business that has a high uh, customer value. And we just help you get more clients through traffic and ads, making these websites that convert into leads, following up with those leads with email and text, and Training your team on like inbound sales to try and close those leads. So we try to have a holistic type of approach to customer acquisition.
1: All right. So let me let me start with some questions that start maybe from my perspective. Maybe it's going to be uh, the listener's perspective. I'm I'm hoping, mm-hmm. but uh, it seems to me that a lot of this is still relatively new to a lot of business owners. And like I know I got involved in digital media in 2000. So that's 21 years ago. That's two decades ago. You'd think that this would be a pretty established business. And I think it is, but I think that there's a lot of marketing going on in this world where, I mean, I get hit up all the time on LinkedIn, for instance, and I imagine people listening to this are also similarly getting hit up a lot. And it probably is really hard to know who to trust and how to choose a, a digital marketer. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you've gotten hit with this type of question before. Um, what are some things that people should think about when selecting, identifying uh, a digital marketer? And and maybe it should start with, like, what are their needs first? So, So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people that are trying to do marketing and everything like that because they think it's easy or simple to do and they couldn't couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, customer acquisition and getting clients and scaling a business is probably one of the most difficult things there is because it's the lifeblood of your business. And if everyone could do it, then everybody would be millionaires and obviously not everybody's millionaires. So it just goes to show that people are not coming at the problem with the right mindset and not really thinking about a holistic solution. So like I mentioned earlier, we handle the process from like attention to growth, right? Like from getting attention to, uh, of the marketplace, I should say with advertising on the channels where you're potential customers hang out, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Google, all that type of stuff, putting a paid message out there, sending that traffic to some type of landing page or website that converts into something like a lead, then educating those leads with emails and texts, and then also kind of helping with the sales process. It's like, that is a holistic approach. And my advice to anyone that, you know, someone hits you up for digital marketing or business development or whatever it is do they have a holistic approach if they don't then they're most likely not going to help you acquire customers because if they're just doing ads then maybe your website or your landing page could have errors on it that would make it difficult for that traffic to convert into leads you know what i mean and so sure. on let's say they actually get the leads what do they do with the leads it's like you have to have a full systematic type of Look, you know, at the problem rather than just one little thing that ends up being only a small piece of the whole puzzle. So that's a big thing for me. Is like if they don't have a holistic approach. The other thing is, you know, do 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 they actually have customer results and everything like that, like testimonials or there other people that they've helped. That's a big one. Um, And then also, is it do they? Yeah, like you said, do they understand what your needs are and like actually what you're trying to do because if you're trying to make an extra couple thousand dollars a month that's a different problem than you want to scale by another hundred thousand dollars in the next or you know a couple hundred thousand dollars in in within the year or something like that there's you know different problems um Mm -hmm. require you know different solutions obviously so that, I guess that would be my advice to, to people that are, are looking for like a digital marketer is do they have a holistic approach and do they really understand your problem at its core?
1: Yeah. You know, I think one of the problems, as you're probably aware with small businesses, is that, and, I, and I'm defining small businesses as really any business that's maybe under uh, 50, maybe a hundred employees. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just to give you an idea, um, one of the problems is that they are, wearing so many hats and doing so many things yeah. and that it's sometimes difficult to balance like what should our priorities be should we be working on Im- improving our website should we be improving our seo um should we be getting more customer reviews on on google or should we be doing it on yelp or house mm-hmm. or or where our, you know where our prospective customers are going to be looking and yeah like This is these are four or five different things I've just laid out, and there's probably 10 others that are all like demanding our attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know you're involved in all aspects of these. So how do we choose where we put our time first? How do we prioritize these things?
2: Absolutely. So I use the 80-20 rule. You know, people have probably heard of that book from Richard Coach. Uh, which is basically 80% per- or 20% of the things you're doing actually get 80% of the results. Right, so sure. you have to look at all of those different things and cut out all the noise that doesn't really have an effect that's mar- you know, large enough to really make a difference. Mm-hmm. So for example, getting Yelp reviews versus getting video testimonials from your clients. Those are right. two different things. In my opinion, getting video testimonials from your clients. However you need to do that, you get on a zoom call. If they're not in your local area, If they are in your local area, have a videographer come in and do like an Epic video of that client Um, you know, talking about your service. And it's like, that is going to be a lot more useful in your marketing than some random Yelp reviews. You know what I mean? So I look at everything from that point of view of, okay, your ad traffic really just comes down to, is your copywriting good? And is your ad creative good? Is your creative eye catching? Does it make them stop while they're scrolling on their feed? And does your ad copy help them or basically make them feel understood by you. You know what I mean? Like when you're writing it, you're using the language that that market uses. Um, you're, yeah, just kind of telling a story that they it can relate to, like all that type of stuff. Right. Then when you actually get to the landing page, I think a lot of businesses overcomplicate their website and landing pages, like to an extent that's, you know, it needs to be simplified like a lot because 80 cents of your dollar that you're spending on marketing. And when they finally get to that landing page is on the headline and on like the copy that they see at first, because, you know, uh, what's above the fold, like right when you actually get to the website is what matters the most, what marketing message do they see? What imagery, what is your call to action on that? And a lot of people aren't going to scroll down if they're not interested in that initial message. So kind of what I'm getting at with all this is there's smaller, simpler facets of all of those different things that actually lead to most of the results. And you can just pretty much ignore everything else. Um, but yeah, like for example, posting on social media, just posting on Facebook, mm-hmm. the organic reach on Facebook is like for like a Facebook page is below 1%. So you right. could, you could post on Facebook if you have the time to do it, but Is it going to be the highest ROI action out of all the things to spend your time on? No. So that's when, you know, ads come in and all that type of stuff. So for me, I would just lay out all of the different things that business owners are trying to figure out what to spend their time on and then make a chart of, okay, this has the potential of this much ROI. This one is 2X ROI. This one could potentially be 5X ROI. Then you only focus on those high ROI tasks and see if they pay off.
1: Isn't that pretty much of a guessing game, though? It seems like it's been for me a guessing game as to where to put that money and time. And so okay. I know maybe it's a mistake, but one of the things I did was I spread my efforts amongst several mm-hmm. of these things. And
2: got it. You know, okay. So, well. yeah, I know for that, um, that's where I like to come in and, and help, right? So when I'm on the phone talking with clients, I they always ask me questions like, oh, so you all, like, you know, you know, and your team also post on our social media platforms. And I say, no, that's not going to get you the highest ROI of all the things we're doing. We could throw that in there as a filler service, like a lot of agencies do, but I feel like it's just a waste of time for both of us as far as it is right now. You know what I mean? Like posting on TikTok, for example, is high ROI or mm-hmm. can be if you're in the right <laughs> market, because there's lots of organic reach on that platform right now for free. Instagram still has some, but like, Facebook has zero organic reach basically. So it's not higher high ROI. I would say, you know, it depends on where the business is at in their like revenue level. But if they are at a low revenue level right now, they could spend a lot of time trying to do organic content and things like that. But manual outbound and just outbound prospecting is probably going to be the highest ROI thing they can do as long as their marketing message or their positioning of their offer is is good, right? So what's going to be more valuable, manual outbound and outreach, or, you know, posting on Instagram, manual outbound and outreach, because that's a direct sales correlation. So by manual
1: um, outbound and outreach, we're talking about email, we're talking about LinkedIn, direct messaging, maybe even yeah. Facebook, direct messaging, or IG direct messaging, right? Okay.
2: Yes. And that's for people that don't have the money to spend on marketing yet because they mm-hmm. really have no other option. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're at a revenue level where you can spend some money on marketing, Facebook ads and Instagram ads obviously are huge, but that's, a, that's also an outbound marketing message. You're going and targeting people based on user data and behaviors that that account is displaying, which means that they could be in your market. So your marketing message has to be really good and really just to the point. Um, and educate and, them and all that type of stuff.
1: And probably but, limited to business to consumer?
2: No, 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 actually. So Facebook, it's a little bit harder to target B2B on Facebook because yes. business owners are not on Facebook as much as consumers are. Well, they may be the, on
1: it, but we don't know who they are as a demographic, right?
2: Yeah, I it's, mean, a, it's a little bit harder. So there's strategies but, around that. Like I like to employ this strategy where it's like a video views campaign where you put a video out there, you try and get as many views as possible. If you're in the B2B market, for example, then uh, whoever views that video to 75 to 90%, you can actually track that on Facebook and retarget those people with follow-up advertisements. Right. And then if you know that they watch 75% of that video, they're pretty much in your market. They're probably pretty qualified to actually hit them uh, with an offer. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my thing. But Facebook and Instagram and you know, LinkedIn or outbound, inbound is more like Google and YouTube where people are searching for you. So that's like a low hanging fruit because if people are, you know, searching for whatever your service is, if you're a dentist or chiropractor, you know, in the home services market, anything like that, try, Google's a little bit more expensive because it's been around for longer, but it's, it's people searching for your service. So you might as well start with that. Once you've got that down, then you can move into like outbound stuff, more like Facebook and those type of ads.
1: So I remember um, I read the book Inbound Marketing mm-hmm. by uh, Dharmesh. Uh, I can't recall his last name, founder, co-founder of HubSpot with Brian Halligan. And that book really blew my world up. That's, I don't know when this was, It's probably 1995. Is that yeah. possible? It was that long ago? Maybe it was 2005, maybe more like that. Let's say 2005, sorry. And uh, I think that what happened for me was I wrote a comment, um, about the book and I, uh, might've tagged, uh, uh I don't know, maybe I would tag the, the author. Mm-hmm. And within like 30 minutes, I got a response back from, from him. Like that was sort of personalized kind mm-hmm. of blew me away. Wow. And so let's talk about inbound versus outbound marketing. I mean, is, is that the ultimate that we should all be really focused on is inbound marketing is like an attraction strategy versus, uh, you know, going out and trying to h- a hunter strategy?
2: I don't think it's an or, I think it's more of an and, and they have okay. different purposes, right? So like I said earlier, if you don't have the money to spend on marketing, you don't really have the option. You just have manual outbound to really do. But if you have money to spend on marketing, I think inbounds a great thing to invest in. That's basically what we do is we generate calls for our our clients, right? to try and get them on the phone with qualified prospects. But the reason why inbound is becoming so much more popular is because kind of like you mentioned earlier on LinkedIn, for example, people are getting hit up constantly. So the only people that are doing really well in manual outbound is not really being salesy, just mainly focused on starting a conversation and just trying to get that person on the phone to try and help them and educate them. Then that leads to a sales conversation. But a lot of people in manual outbound are just hitting them with a straight pitch right off the bat. And that doesn't end up well because nobody wants to be sold to like that. They want to be, they want to have that kind of inbound feel where they're coming to you because they have a, a problem that needs to be solved. So that's why inbound works really well is because they've qualified themselves and now they're on the phone with you. And now they're kind of, you know, almost selling themselves on your service, you know, in a way yep. uh, after you like educate them on what it is, but sure. I think inbound is becoming more important because of how consumers and I mean, B2B and B2C, just consumers in general, their mindsets are shifting to, okay, if I want something, I Google it. If I want food, I Uber it. If I or uh, you know, DoorDash or whatever, I want a taxi, I Uber it because like they're able to have access to whatever they want in this information age. They want the same thing with your business. So they want to see an ad from you, go to your website. Possibly convert into a lead because your offer is really good with whatever you're offering to generate that lead. Then, when they actually get on the phone with you, you're educating them, just guiding them. You're not really selling them, you're just asking them questions, making closing statements, hailing objections. And then eventually, it just leads to the sale. And it's not a very rough process, not a lot of pressure or anything like that. It's just they, you're just guiding them through the sale. And that process is a lot more enjoyable for people. So, that's kind of what we try to do. Mm. So, what are some
1: KPIs that people might set? Can let's maybe let's take a sample of a client um, and what a dashboard might look like for them to know whether they're having success. Because, it, right, there's a time before they start to harvest the results of a of an outbound inbound campaign. What yeah. let, let's take a company, a home services company, for instance. Um, what are some KPIs for that type of a business? Maybe give us an example.
2: Yeah. So, for ads in particular, what I look at is click through rate, uh, the number of impressions, and then how basically how many leads that's converting, how many they're actually getting on the phone with, and then how many of the people that they get on the phone with do they close. So, like pretty, pretty simple metrics, but Uh, Something I actually laid out a while ago was this very interesting spreadsheet that I created to really show the difference between a 1% click-through rate and even like an extra half a percent of click-through rate. And what click-through rate basically means is if 100 people see your advertisement and then one person actually clicks on it. Mm-hmm. That just counts as one click, like right. basically 1% click-through rate. Sure. And 1% uh, click-through rate on Facebook ads, for example, is like the in, uh, roughly like the industry average for a lot of different industries, just for, even for like an average offer, not even something like super compelling, just very basic. Now, I'm going to quickly run through some numbers and I'm going to get a little bit technical, but I, I hope everybody listening follows along. So I'll try and make it uh, super straightforward. So let's pretend... That in the home services market, uh, I know the basically customer value could range anywhere from $50 to a new roof for thousands and thousands of dollars. But I'm just going to make the numbers really easy. Let's say your customer, you profit $1,000 from your service. Very basic. Now on Facebook, for example, it costs-
1: Profit, we wh- meaning not revenue, right? Not revenue, profit. And is that net profit or gross profit? I like to clarify with people. Um, after your, okay, great.
2: Clear. Yeah. So $1,000 gross profit on Facebook. On average, it takes $20 to reach a thousand people. So then basically a thousand impressions of your advertisement. Mm-hmm. Now, if you spend a thousand dollars on ads, if you do the math on that, that means that you'll get 50,000 people to view your advertisement. Now of those 50,000 people that viewed your ads, let's say 1% of those people actually click on your ad. That means you got 500 clicks out of those 50,000 views. Mm -hmm. Now on a landing page, when they actually get to your website, you know what I mean? And they've clicked on your ad, the landing page conversion, industry average, again, it ranges a lot depending on the industry, but is roughly 2%. So of the people that clicked on your ad, 2% of those people will turn into leads, which means that of the 500 clicks you got, Ten percent converted, and you have ten leads. Right now, I this is a number that like has been really tough to to estimate, but the closing rate of those leads. Now, again, this number probably is the most variable number out of all of them. I'm but, gonna guess it's a third. Yeah, I, I even was pretty conservative with that, and I said twenty percent. Okay, twenty percent of the leads you convert, right? Right. So of those ten leads, you converted two, and now you got two thousand dollars in profit. Right. Off of $1,000 in ad spend.
1: Not a good right. not a good num- ratio.
2: Well, I mean, it's 2X ROI. You put $1 in, you get two out.
1: Yeah. I don't like to do anything unless it's a three to one. Like, so
2: that's where I'm about to get to. So I'm saying okay. that's like all averages, right? If you just get an extra half percent on your clicks, right? like doesn't sound like a, a much. Now you have 750 Okay. Then 2% conversion, 15 mm-hmm. leads, mm-hmm. 20% of those uh, leads get closed. Now that's three deals for $3,000 gotcha. in profit. 3X, gotcha. ROI. Right. So with all of our clients, we always shoot for a bare minimum 3X ROI, just because that's good goal to have. Like you said, 3X mm-hmm. is a good number. Um, now- you start playing with these numbers. And if you like, you know, make a spreadsheet of your own, you'll start to realize minuscule changes in these numbers will get you insane results. Right. So like, that's something that I like business owners to look at is because they say, oh, you know, we're already running ads on Facebook. And it's like, okay, well, the copywriting and creative can be changed. Sure. You know, expert level, (laughs) right? Or to an expert level. And you change your click-through rate just a little bit. And now you've basically went from 2X ROI to 3X ROI. And that's a huge difference in a you know, business owner's bank account. So that's, that's something I like to illustrate that business owners should take it very seriously when it comes to their numbers and their, their KPIs that you're talking about.
1: I think that's helpful. I think what, where it gets a little bit more nuanced uh, is if someone comes in and says, huh, I'm not sure why you're even on Facebook. I don't think that's the best medium. I think you ought to be on Instagram where it's maybe cheaper and you Mm -hmm. can run more visual. Um, Or I think that you ought to be on, uh, I don't know, you should be doing YouTube shorts type videos and trying to get those. uh, And it's been more on Google AdWords. And now it's all sudden like the, the box has been moved, you know, and it's like a game changer. And and so the the client, the prospect is left with, okay, is there a, are we on, are we doing the wrong strategy here? Is it, so is, should we be improving what, you know, should we make more efficient, if you will, or more effective what we're currently doing? Or is this not the most effective use of our dollar and we should be doing something altogether different?
2: Yeah. So that's why we help with every single ad platform, right? Depending on what's needed for the business. Uh since it's Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, LinkedIn, that's like the main ad platforms that we help with. Uh your website's pretty standard. You know, what I mean, it's just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the follow-up email, text campaigns. There's a lot of softwares you can use for that, but we have our own kind of thing that we use. Um, for that, it really, again, comes down to the industry. You know, like, for example, a lawyer doing Facebook ads can work. It's just that most likely they should do Google ads because people, when they have a lawsuit, are searching for a lawyer. You know what I mean? So, yep. They're, they're not just like, if they haven't been sued, they're going to see it on Facebook and just not think it's relevant. So, it depends on what your market is, you know, what stage of the buyer cycle they're in, and like all that different stuff. But, why I said earlier that it's an and problem, you know, type of thing rather than like an or is business owners should be doing Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and all these different things. And but you have to split them up in a way where again, what's the highest ROI thing? If you're a lawyer, you probably want to spend more on a uh, let's let's actually do that as an example. So for a lawyer, people are searching for your stuff on Google, but let's say they go to your website and they don't convert. What happens to those people? You can hit them with a Facebook retargeting campaign because your Facebook pixel on your website, for example, tracked all those people. Now, when those people that were searching for you in the first place, but didn't end up converting for whatever reason, because they were distracted, they didn't fully resonate with your message for some reason or whatever it was, now they end up on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever it is And now they've been retargeted with an ad that, you know, you can pretty much say whatever you want, but the general concept is, Hey, we noticed you were on our website. You know, here's a different marketing message or a video or something like that. That'll help you convert into a lead. So it goes like going from Google to Facebook and LinkedIn is a good strategy for like a lawyer because you're getting everything, but you're spending the majority of your money on Google to get them top of the funnel. And then Facebook and LinkedIn is handling the lower stages of the funnel as they become a lead.
1: I think this is one of the real challenges for businesses. I know it's been for me to figure out like, where should you be putting your first dollars? Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of direct outreach. I have found that to be pretty effective on LinkedIn. It's gotten extremely crowded. Um, And I've done, I found direct email marketing over the decades has always really worked. I've also found that direct mail really worked. You know, so some of my colleagues have said, wow, you know, you have a really high cost of acquisition for a customer. And I've had one colleague years ago tell me like he gets all of his business just by referral. So what he does is he works his clients very hard um, for that referral. And like that never really, I always felt like that's an important strategy, but to rely on that solely when you don't have that many clients is a tough way to go. But uh, I, I do think that one of the challenges here, Eric, is that there's a number of options that people have, including yeah. which we haven't and won't get into is all the offline strategies, you know, that might still work, which, you know, for real estate people, you still get those postcards in the mail, you know, for home service contracts, you still get, you uh, uh, people sending out, you know, the marriage mail type stuff that, mm. you know, with the offers and the discounts, um, it's, it's a lot to choose from, don't you think?
2: <clears throat> I do. And that's where, like, basically discerning between those options is really important. But also, like, think about this, for example, the real estate person uh, sending the postcard. Yes, that works. Everything in marketing really works at mm-hmm. some level. But to the extent of which it works is the, is the thing that we need to discuss, right? It's like you send a postcard out and let's say, you know, a, you know, a small percent of them, you know, uh, respond and right. you look at your costs for that and to send those out is extremely high. But to get the same amount of attention on Facebook is a lot less, right? And yep. it may not always be like that. There's always going to be these channels that are coming through and Facebook might be dead in 10 years and then TikTok's the new thing or whatever. And to my agency, it doesn't matter. Whatever whatever the channel is to get your marketing message out there is the one that we're going to use as, as far as like digital goes. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't really handle any offline stuff. Uh, but Facebook and Instagram the, the the problem that business owners have is they're treating it like it's traditional marketing. Mm-hmm. When you send a postcard out, you only have one postcard. So you have mm-hmm. to put your pitch on there. You have to put everything. You kind of have to treat it like it's a hail Mary right. on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Google and all these different things. You don't really have to treat it like a hail Mary. And if you do, it ends up not working at all. So what happens on, on these platforms and because again, like I said, the buyer cycle and the entitlement of buyers and all these different things has changed with how our society has changed with technology. So they're more focused on getting educated or entertained before they buy your service. Mm -hmm. And I think the statistic is like, I've I've heard this uh, stat thrown around a lot and I have to believe it uh, because it seems pretty accurate based on, you know, everybody I've talked to um, and like my clients and stuff. 70% 70% of the buying decision for a lot of markets is as far as like B2C goes. B2B is probably a little bit different, but is made by the person before they even talk to you because they did the research on your website, they did the research on your ads, or you know what I mean, they, they saw some of your ads. They looked at your reviews. They did all the research on Google and all these things, maybe asked a couple of friends and did all that before they even called you. So by the time they're on the phone with you, they're probably 70% of the way there. And you just have to push them over that 30% edge. But it's just like buying is different now. You know what I mean? And you have to kind of get with the program to realize that these platforms are going to stay. They're always going to be here. You know what I mean? As far as digital goes, because we're now in the digital age. Um, I, well, I should say the platforms are going to change, but the medium is the same. It's just okay. digital you know, technology and all that type of stuff. So yep. when it comes to that, I think shifting your offer to be a, like to work in the modern market is an important focus for a lot of business owners because people want it. Better, faster—you know what I mean. Like all these, you know, different things, and they—they are ruthless when it comes to finding the people that will do it the best, for the cheapest, for the fastest, right? And you can play with those different things because most business owners don't want to be the cheapest because then it's just a price race to the bottom. Um, But making your offer good is a and compelling is a big thing that I like to talk about too. And again, depends on the industry and market and all that type of stuff, but. When it comes to making your offer compelling, like think about what your market actually wants like deep down and really speak to that. And that takes an expert copywriter to make your customers feel understood. Right. So again, those are all, those are all things that we try to help with because business owners are not usually well-versed in those things because they're so focused on whatever their business is, handling service delivery, handling culture and operations and making sure their team is on board with their vision. And like all these different things, all the hats that you were talking about earlier that, you know, basically coming up to date and getting modern with their their marketing is this huge challenge that they see, but we try and make it a little bit easier. And you can find tons of YouTube resources, podcasts, all these different things to do that. Um, But I would just make that a main focus of yours of how can I make my offer good? How can I make it compelling? How can I put it right in front of the right people and really test it for a long period of time? Because I see a lot of business owners don't test things for long enough before they decide that it doesn't work. And it's like, well, you know, like I've gotten on the phone with, with clients before and they say, oh, well, I trade, I tried Facebook ads or I tried Google ads and they didn't work. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because I have, like, I did some research and found these couple of competitors of yours that are actually doing it successfully. So maybe we can model something off of what they're doing or kind of figure out how they're doing stuff, make it unique, make it your own and make it work for you. And then that kind of breaks a belief or has like a mindset shift within them. They're like, oh, okay. Like I, you know, they're doing it. Why can't I do it? You know what I mean? So there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but Sorry for rambling on all that. No, it's that's, just, all that's all right. That's all right.
1: Eric, can you share either or both a case study that you've worked on that you think is like really exciting that uh, has had an amazing result? Or, you know, what's really hot right now that you think is something you've seen or that you're really excited about and that's that's working really well?
2: Yeah, I'll share both. So a case study that I have now, this isn't typical results. It's just one, like you said, that I get excited about because it just shows how cool it is. So I was working with a B2B technology company out of Texas and they basically sell to enterprise clients. So it is B2B. We were on LinkedIn with them and handling landing pages and stuff like that. And basically what we were doing was we were targeting basically purchasing officers of this service, right? Or basically people that handle the technology and engineering department, uh, of these enterprise level companies, and on LinkedIn, we got their attention. and like that's it's it's so crazy for some business owners to think about that these people are on LinkedIn. It only takes one team member to see an ad and then they finally go, hey, maybe I should show this ad on LinkedIn to my manager because I know it's relevant to us and I can get the credit for that. And like there's a lot of you know politics that kind of go into the the workplace and all that type of stuff with that. but, we got LinkedIn traffic, and a lot of it to go to their landing pages. And on their landing pages, it discussed what they do. It just it solved a clear problem that was a hundred percent necessary and urgent from these enterprise level clients that they didn't already have a solution to, right? So they they got on the phone with the business development, uh, you know, side of the company within this B two B tech firm that we were uh, working with. And these, uh, the customer value of these clients was anywhere from 250000 up to $2 million a year in revenue per year wow. based on this product, this technology product that they were selling. Mm-hmm. And what was happening was they were getting roughly about a 28x <laughs> return on investment based on all the money that they were putting into LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. They also did uh, Google as well. Um, so that probably you know factored into it, but they were doing both and that factored into a 28X return on investment, which was insane. That's not typical, not average, but uh, it is an exciting case study that we worked on uh, for a while. And it did take some optimization to really get it, the attention of the right people. But all we had to do was just sit down with them for a couple you know, couple Zoom calls and stuff like that, really understand what their market is and what their market's looking for, then we were able to to go on LinkedIn, and push that out. But before that, their marketing message was just kind of a little bland and not really not really out there. You know what I mean? So we, mm-hmm. we tried to help them with that. So that was an exciting one, but most wow. of them end up, you know, three to six X ROI is kind of where we're sitting at for most industries across the board mm-hmm. on average for, you know, healthcare B2B tech, legal and home services stuff. Um, but a thing I think is really, um, I guess just a thing that's in, it's exciting to me is if people can put together resources that are valuable to the market for free without really expecting anything in return and really make that thing valuable. That's exciting to me. And you know, like you have a book, for example, right? You put that book out into the marketplace. It's a resource that people can read and then basically get to know your philosophy And then they want to get on the phone with you because they agree with whatever, you know, the book says. Right. And it's like, if business owners can do their own version of that, in some way, it doesn't have to be a book. It can be, you know, some type of PDF or a call that they get on, like the consultation call can be positioned in that way. Uh, That's usually what we try to focus on is wrapping up this consultation call as like an offer in and of itself that's worth a lot of money before even charging their clients like at all. We do that too. When we get on the phone with these clients, we sit there for an hour and really strategize and kind of figure out things. And they can technically take that plan, do whatever they want with it. But usually because we came up with the plan, we're the best for implementation and execution. So it, it's it's something that's a win-win where the client gets a lot of value and we can potentially get a lot of value, but we're not 100% expecting it. We're just putting kind of goodwill into the market, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't think it's a new strategy. I think it's been around for at least a decade. I know yeah. I was putting out white papers, eBooks. Um, I know HubSpot does a great job of that. And <clears throat> I know I've been doing it for quite some time. I I think people just got tired of reading. So now they want it delivered in the form of a video or a podcast on the run. I mean, so we're always chasing after the consumer where we think they might be to try and uh, you know, get hold of them. So
2: yeah, videos are a great option as well. Like if you can basically collect someone's information in a lead in exchange for some type of free private video, it works really well too. Yeah.
1: Awesome. All right, Eric, Um, This has been really great chatting with you. Uh, Any final thoughts you want to share before we sign off?
2: Um, I guess I'll just end on kind of a personal development note that I like to share a lot uh, is business owners should be as clear and consistent with whatever their goals are as possible and really to like sit down and be honest with themselves of what they really want because that like what they say their goals are, it could actually be less funny enough or more than like what they actually say. Cause you know, some business owners claim that they want $10 million a year in revenue when they're actually comfortable with five and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And then there's some business owners that claim they want $10 million in revenue when they actually want 50 and they're just like, they need to break those beliefs and stuff. And then being consistent every single day, as opposed to like, let's say once a week. Uh, for a longer period of time. It's better to be consistent every single day for a small period of time. And that'll get you closer to like your goals. And I guess that's why that's relevant is everything you were talking about earlier, where, you know, there's so many options that they have. If they just spend a little bit of time every day to to learn about those things, it's going to pay off a lot in the long run. Great.
1: Eric, we're going to have your contact information in the show notes, but is there some way that you'd like people to reach out to you if they're listening right now?
2: Uh, yeah, my name is just Eric Rebello. on pretty much everything on YouTube, you know, Instagram, all that type of stuff. Website is Eric Rebello. Uh, if you want to schedule a call, we can talk about some stuff if you would like, but you know, I would say even before that, just look at, you know, all the content that I have out there and try and see if it can help you by itself. Take some action. Let me know how it goes. And yeah.
1: Great. Eric with a C Rebello, R E B E L O like rebel with a no at the end. Eric, thanks so much for taking time to share with my audience. And uh, folks, if you liked this information, share it with others, um, listen and subscribe to the Disruptive Successor Show.
0: This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more At the goldhillgroup.com website, where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to disruptivesuccessor.com.